Ladies and gentlemen, my guest at this time is a former WWE Cruiserweight Champion, former Impact Wrestling X Division Champion, TJP, TJ Perkins. How you doing, bud? Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. How's, uh, how's your day going? Uh, it's, it's okay, man. You know, in California, you know, we got the wildfires going on, so it's, it's daylight, yeah. but not really. Like, it's like a dark, dark, dark orange tent over, like, the sky. It's so weird. It feels... <laughs> It's felt yeah. like nighttime all day. I do like that it's like a, it's starting to be a little bit less blistering hot out on the West Coast now, you know? So, like, I, I feel like fall is finally approaching. We were chasing an endless summer for, <laughs> for the longest time. We were. We were. So, I mean, you're currently living in California now. I, th- I thought you were living in Florida. No, no, no. Vegas, actually. And oh, uh, okay. I go back and forth between L.A. and Vegas. Yeah. All right, all right. That's what's up, dude. Yeah. So, uh, the the big question is like, how you been during quarantine, man? Like, what's what's been going on? I know you've been back with Impact. We're gonna get into that um, stuff. <laughs> uh, every, I mean, everything is for me has been fairly normal. I mean, I don't really get out much anyway. But um, but uh, like my my house is here in in Vegas, and um, uh, we didn't really have too strict of anything going on. And I've been traveling a lot, like. I haven't really stopped traveling since, uh, since March. Um, so I'll go, I'll go back and forth to Florida a lot, Tennessee, obviously for impact. Um, I'll go back and forth to LA a lot. Um, and then last few months, new Japan has been taping a lot of their USA based shows. Uh, the roster split in half right now. Half, half the guys are stuck in Japan. Half the guys are stuck in the U S. So, um, they've been doing a lot of their stuff through Los Angeles. So, yeah, I've been traveling pretty frequently anyway. (laughs) Yeah, it's nice, nice to see that you're keeping busy, man. So uh, one, one of the things I really want to get into is uh, your Twitch channel, and it's been announced by uh, WWE that they're putting a ban on, like, all third-party uh, platforms. So just kind of talk about your Twitch channel, what you do there, and then what, uh, what, what are your thoughts on the ban? Um, well, uh, I mean, my, uh, <laughs> my Twitch, had, my channel had been like sitting dormant for a while. I didn't really realize that when I first was uh, streaming that it was sort of like in the beginning of the platform, you know, and, um, and I was just doing it just to do it, but I ended up getting like a pretty good following on there, but I was doing it kind of casually. I didn't really have any bells and whistles set up or anything. It wasn't really like produced um, it was just a cool place and like a safe haven for fans to come and like, uh, you know, meet other people in the chat, ask Q&A questions, watch some gameplay, you know, things like that. And then there was a couple years where I wasn't streaming that much. And then um, it was like some buddies of mine who are like into like streaming, like as like part time professionals, they're like, dude, like sell us your page <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about <laughs> and they're like you have like such a good following you don't even like stream that much anymore and so like I've been trying to get back into it mostly because people have been asking uh, me to do it so I'm, I'm happy to do it but now I'm gonna get set up with better equipment and stuff so <laughs> guys will have a better channel to uh to watch but um uh everybody can find that at mega tjp so if, you, if you're already following I appreciate it um and yeah, the, the new, I mean, I would say new regulations, but I mean, that's not really new. It's just Twitches and third-party platforms like, like that are like the flavor of the month for it, I guess. But that's sort of like ideology has been around for years, not just in WWE, but just in any wrestling company in general. 
Yeah, well, I, we've seen news come out to where they can keep them. They just can't use, like, their WWE names, yeah, so, so to speak. But, I mean, there are a couple guys like an AJ Styles where, like, he, he's owned that trademark for, like, his whole career, you know. So, right. I, I, I just kind of yeah. found it odd. There are people that are, like, a, super against WWE for doing that. Then there are people kind of okay with WWE doing that. What's What's your take on it, really? So the thing about it is, and again, it's not really even just a WWE thing. I mean, every wrestling company is like this. And we, they operate in this middle ground where, um, and WWE is just has sort of the, they take a deeper dive into what they can explore with this ideology, but they all have the same ideology is that, you know, we're this weird middle ground. We're not quite professional athletes, like, like a team sport athlete, like we are. But then we're also this, we're television actors as well. And they like to tiptoe the line and they jump back and forth depending on what they want to get out of you in a way. And I don't want this to, before I continue, I don't want it to sound like, um, like, uh, like, like a, a sour take on it. It's just the nature of the business, you know. Um, I, I completely understand it. Um, you know, I, I'm an opponent of it because I'm the performer. But it's not something that I think, oh, we need to abolish it or whatever. I get it. I mean, it's a jungle. They're, they're always going to – that's one of those things that we're always going to oppose each other on. You know, that's why, like, in the NBA, NFL, all these things, there's players' unions and stuff like that. There's CBAs, um, you know, in 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 um, entertainment, there's, like, Screen Actors Guild, stuff like that. You know, that that's just the nature of it. But um, the way that that the ideology is sort of, like, odd because we're in this gray area and – in this case, they, what they really want is they don't really want to prevent performers from having these things. Um, they kind of have to, to accomplish what they're trying to do, but it's not that they're really trying to attack the performer. What they really want to do is block any third parties from making money off of what they consider is their IP. And the thing is, they, they, in WWE's case, they'll view a guy like me or whoever like, okay, this is Spider-Man. We're trying to sell Spider-Man. Therefore, you can't be selling Spider-Man to other people because that's our IP to license to these third parties, like a Hot Topic, like a Walmart, like a whatever the case may be, 2K Games, something like that. And in that case, it makes sense. But the, the difference is, is that like Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, like all these guys, like um, they are like Tobey Maguire is Tobey Maguire. You know what I mean? He's not Spider-Man. He works for Sony to be Spider-Man. And it's like, okay, like you're going to license Spider-Man, but Tobey Maguire is going to go do Tobey Maguire stuff, you know, and, and you're not going to stop him from doing that. But see, when, when, when we are performing, we, most of us, a majority of us are performing as our actual selves or we're portraying ourselves. So that IP, it's up for debate. Like, does that IP really belong to the company or does that IP belong to me? Like in my case, I've always been TJ Perkins, always. Like I've had uh, like mass characters and stuff like that. But when I'm just as is like this, I've never been like, you know, Teddy Storm or some kind of crazy thing. Like I've always been TJ Perkins, TJP. Those are my initials. That's my name. That's on my birth certificate. Um, and so where that IP belongs, who knows? But I mean, in reality, it's just not the same as what they're trying to pass it off as. The thing is, though, when you present the idea, like if, if me as a performer, if I were to say, okay, you know, you can sell my character, whatever I'm portraying, 
treat me like Batman, Spider-Man, Joker, whatever you want to do and make money off me third party. And that's fine. But allow me to work for other studios and make other movies like an actor would do, you know, like Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool, but he's going to do an action movie with Samuel L. Jackson too. He's going to do, you know, a rom-com. He's going to do this and that. And Marvel's not going to stop him from doing that because they don't own Ryan Reynolds. They own Deadpool or Fox, you know, in this case. Um, but when you say that, they're like, well, no, no, no. You're like a team sport out. You're like LeBron James. You know, you play for our team and our team only. That's it. But it's like, okay, but LeBron James, the Lakers don't own the name LeBron James. LeBron owns it. And he rented it out to Nike for a billion dollars. So we should be able to rent out our IP then. So you, you, can, you can own us or you can own the IP. You can't own both. Like that's, that's where it, it goes back and forth. And they, they, for the most part, again, all companies are the same way. And all companies are hoping that performers are just stupid enough to not understand that they're being played on both ends. And most performers are like, to be honest, like that's, I've said it a million times. That's on us. Like we, we, we sign bad deals all the time and every contract is bad. Every single one, like that. And it, anybody, a lot of the guys, they get it reviewed by lawyers and stuff to do it the right way. Every time I've seen it a million times, somebody's lawyer who doesn't work specifically for wrestling they look over this wrestling contract and in comparison to athletes, actors, businessmen of all kinds, they're like, this is a terrible deal. Like this is suit. They laugh in our faces and, and the wrestlers sign it anyway, because they just want to put the uniform on so bad. And I think that's really what the problem is as far as like on our end is like, you can't, when it's a career, you can't want it like that. You, you can't let the, you can't let the logo trick you, you know? Um, but that's really what it is. Is they they tiptoe back and forth whether it's you know treating us like actors or athletes. It can't be both. Well, that was very elaborately said. I love it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's let's get into the topic of like IPs, copyrights, trademarks, real quick. So I mean, your legal name is TJ Perkins. You've wrestled yeah. as TJ Perkins, TJP in WWE and other places. Mm-hmm. So I mean, is did you have to like? copyright trademark that as well or did you just leave it alone so i mean and again i'm no legal expert um i have i've spoken with people who who are lawyers by trade and by career and, and some have been super like it's almost like they operate on paranoia anything that can happen will happen so you know oh you could lose your name you could lose this and if you don't trade you know and then others are like, no, they have a different, more kind of grounded, rational take on it. I mean, or so it seems. And then some others are more laissez-faire about it. And they're like, eh, don't worry about it because, you know, certain precedents have already been set for this, this, and this. And so one thing that I was told, because I explored, like, do I need to copyright my name? And I, I was told, and, and this goes more than just your legal name, but like other stuff too. Like if, if you're ever brought to court, I believe... Um, what I'm told, if you've already used something creatively in a professional manner, or if you've, especially if you've done it on a big platform and made money off of it in a very public way, um, like you can't be taken to court and lose that to somebody without like a copyright. Like, for example, if I, I don't know, whatever in my case, it's my real name, but like I was wrestling for years as TJ Perkins everywhere. And it's very public. It's very easy to find. It's very easily presented. If it was me versus, I don't know, like a big company, like a WWE or something like that. Um, not that they couldn't try to fight you over that, 
and try to like retroactively copyright your name or, or certain things that you've done. But if you've already done it, then it's hard for them to win that case because it's, it's very provable that it's not their work. It's not something they created and it existed and was already being used for financial reasons well before they came into the picture. So it's a hassle, but in a lot of ways, I don't think you have to be super careful. What, what the difficult thing is when you create something individually, when you're already working together, then you have to really protect it because who's to say who really created that? You know, if I'm already work, if I if I'm already on Monday Night Raw and like like I was on Monday Night Raw for like three years during that time, if I would have named something or created something, it's just my word against theirs that we we're both sitting in a room somewhere and either the office made it or I did. Who knows? You know. So, in that case, that's really what the people would have to worry about. I think. Um, but I mean, I could be totally wrong about that. I mean, but I, as far as I know, they can't just like retroactively take your God-given name that your mom and dad gave you. So. Well, that's, that's a funny thing because you look at a guy like Cody Rhodes where it's legally been his last name since he was like 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, and he can't use the last name Rhodes. So that's why he's been Cody since he left the company, you know? Well, uh, so I wasn't – I'm not totally – I mean, I, I, again, I could be wrong. I know Cody, but not that well. But um, I wasn't sure that that was actually his full legal name prior to that. And I don't, and he wasn't really a wrestler before WWE. So in that case, them saying, well, Cody wrote that battle is hard for Cody because they met, they, his career kind of started with this big organization. And that is the inception of that name from an entertainment creative standpoint. Cause obviously like they're the, the family name is, is Runnels. So, um, and, and, you know, again, I don't know him personally, so I don't know if, like, it wasn't that case, but I think that's really what the argument is, is that, like, that was already a stage name, and it was, you know, licensed, you know, by the, you know, a company that's, I guess, holding it hostage, which sucks, it's terrible, you know. Um, but I, th- I think there's other examples, too, though, of other performers who, like, came up, like, say, like, the 90s generation, like, superstar performers, and they never copyrighted or licensed or never, um, trademarks you know their their ip and their name or whatever went to wwe and i think wwe did end up filing for copyrights and got everything approved and then when those wrestlers left they were still able to use those names um and i think it's because like wwe doesn't chase that sort of thing so hard because they sort of cut a corner by getting that ip like nobody's fact checking them necessarily i mean when you file for a trademark they're not fact checking that thoroughly you know, like they're the the patent office or whatever the case is, they're just checking to see if it's already in their database. If it's not in there, then okay, they'll they'll let you buy it. But if like a Rey Mysterio was like, Hey, I've been Rey Mysterio for twenty years or whatever before I got to or ten years before I got to WWE and WWE, well, I trademarked it. Well, Mysterio kinda has a pretty good case of like, well, I created like this 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 existed well before you came into the picture. So even though they can get the copyright or whatever approved, that's still, I think, a battle that can be fought. Um, so sometimes they'll just let guys continue to use that stuff because they know that that's a battle they might not win. Wow. Trademarking is fascinating, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, you, you've had influence in the uh, WWE locker room with pet pigs. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I find absolutely fascinating. Like you see on total divas, uh, Alexa bliss gets a pet pig, Larry, Steve. I'm like, Oh, that's yeah. interesting. But you were the, you were the founding father of it, bro. Uh, <laughs> Was, what, doc, yeah. Dr. Pugsley and all these others. So how many pet pigs do you have and what possessed you to get pigs as pets? Uh, just, I have, uh, I only have two. Um, uh, cupcake is a girl. She's the older one. Um, Pugsley's the boy. It's the younger one. And, um, uh, I mainly it was like my significant other at the time was just like always home alone. I was traveling a lot and I've been traveling for years, you know, so that's like tough on like family and, and loved ones and stuff at home. And, uh, I didn't, I, I, I've never really actually been a pet person like until recently, you know, and, uh, never had, I had like one dog when I was a kid and didn't know how to take care of it. <laughs> I think my parents ended up having to give it away. Um, and, uh, you know, I just was never really a pet person. And so the idea of having a pet, I was like, well, I can't, I don't have the energy or the, <laughs> or the, the time to deal with like a dog or like something that requires a lot of attention. I'm just too tired when I get off the road and I have to train and do all this stuff, you know? especially at the time, like WWE, like that schedule was, was, you know, pretty, pretty hectic. And, uh, so I, I basically what it came down to was like, I, I need something that's hypoallergenic, um, kind of low energy, a lazy kind of frumpy, like, like pet. And, it, you know, we just, we researched mini pigs and it turned out that they're like this great, um, they check all those boxes and I, I loved it. They're so, they're so smart. They have, they're like the second smartest animal like amongst like a certain like bracket or maybe overall or something like that um uh so they they get to about the intelligence of like a three-year-old like toddler kind of like they they can kind of have conversations with me like with their own little like distinct like um snorts and, and noises they make um and yeah they're great they're great companions and they're they're like they're, they're it's like having children so <laughs> That's what's up, dude. They running around right now. Yeah, actually, the I I don't know if you could pick it up sometimes on my headphones with the the boys demanding their lunch early. They're also they're really great at telling time. Like they know exactly what time it's time for them to eat. And they eat just like a human, like three meals, three square meals a day, and and you know whatever in between. They know exactly when it's bedtime, when it's breakfast, lunch, dinner. Like I can set my clock to it. Like they'll start talking and yelling. Like, hey, it's time to eat, Dad. That's that's awesome, dude. I'd look into it, but I had a traumatic experience with the pig once. So, <laughs> dude, man, quick story. I was I was in kindergarten. I was like five years old, and my teacher had a pet pig, and she brought the pig to class, and it chased me around the the classroom. I'm like, oh, oh no! I had to like transfer schools. So I was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, my um, my uh, my significant other now, Arya Blake. Uh, for wrestling fans, they might know her. Um, from uh, MLW and, and the independence. Um, and, and Aria, when she was a little kid, she has a picture of her like cowering in, in total fear of like this pig. Uh, it's one of her like baby pictures or like toddler pictures. And we, we get a kick out of it because she's such an animal person, you know, now. Like she's she's big dog person, especially. Dogs are her favorite and she loves, she loves uh, you know, the pigs and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's that's funny. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I, I was watching an interview you did with, uh, I, I think it was Alicia Toot from Ambi, and mm. you're quite the connoisseur of frozen pizza and Sour Patch Kids. 
yeah yeah um i mean pizza of any kind but uh i'll I'll definitely stock up on on frozen pizza and then you know order accordingly whenever i want like something fresh but uh but yeah and sour patch that's my jam man that's that's my that's my number one for candy so with sour patch is it like just the candy or are you doing the i know they have ice cream i've tried it i know they have soda like are you do you dabble in that too um, I haven't tried the soda. I, I've had the popsicles and the ice cream. I like the ice cream. Popsicles were just, yeah, it was like a popsicle, but, um, but the, the ice cream is great. I like it. Um, for, for, for people that like, like I grew up on Dairy Queen, like when I was younger, that was like a, like a, a spot to go to pretty regularly. And it reminds me of like the, the Mr. Misty float, like the vanilla, like super vanilla ice cream, like not even like that, like golden, like French vanilla. I mean, it's like, you know, like paper white, like vanilla, vanilla, like right out of the dispenser. And, uh, and then like the, the, the different sour patch mixed in, it's kind of like the, the slush flavor. So it reminds me of Dairy Queen a little bit. Um, and then ghost, the ghost, uh, supplement company, uh, licenses a bunch of, um, name brand for like flavors, like their proteins are like chips, ahoy, nutter butter, stuff like that. Like just, you know, snack foods. And, um, one of their pre-workouts is red sour patch. So I also use that for my caffeine usually. So I got a lot of sour patch in my life. That's awesome, dude. What's the, uh, what's the go-to <laughs> topping for, for, for pizza? Uh, let's see. Um, well, most of the time, uh, Aria is the boss. So <laughs> she likes white pizza. So usually we'll get like the Alfredo sauce, cheese, and, and nothing else. She loves that. Um, uh, she doesn't really like marinara sauce a lot on her pizza, and she doesn't eat meat. But when I order specifically for myself, usually it'll be pepperoni, sausage, uh, mushroom, and olives. That's usually my, my combo. I like. Well, getting your protein, getting your vegetables in there. I dig it, man. I dig yeah, it. A little, bit of, <laughs> little bit of everything, yeah. All right. So we can see over your left shoulder a replica of the X Division Championship. So uh, yeah. what's, what's it been like being back in Impact, brother? And is that the manic suit? Yeah, yeah. This was actually the uh, – is that this the original? The, yeah, this was the suit. I both of these cases uh, have the the model of title that I won at the time and the outfits I I was wearing for the event. So this is the actual suicide suit that I wore for that pay-per-view when I got it at I think it was Destination X, I think. Um so yeah, that's the original. And this one is from the Cruiser Classic over here. Dude, that's what's up. So you, you keep all the you keep all the old gear? Um, I don't keep it necessarily for display purposes. I didn't even like intend on displaying these at first. I just had them all in a box. Uh, most of the guys, they sell all their stuff. Um, and I always thought that maybe someday like, you know, nieces and nephews or kids of my own will love like going through, you know, dad's old stuff, something like that someday. So I just keep all my stuff in a box. It just collects dust. So I do have most, almost all of my old stuff, but these are some of the ones that were more, I guess prominent for those reasons. So, you know, I once I started setting up my office in here, I was persuaded to put them up. So I, I decorated a little bit, but I got all the old ones in the in my closet, like <laughs> getting I'm, moth holes in them and stuff. You're gonna need more. You're gonna need more cases for when you wanna follow ball when those tag titles, man. <laughs> What's it been yeah, like being back with Impact? What's it like teaming with him, bro? Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's honestly like the number one reason why I wanted to come to impact, at least for creative reasons. Like I, I really wanted to, to work with him. 
not just because we share a culture, but like I, I thought he's he's I think still. I mean, he's such a unique performer. He's got a unique skill set, and um, you know, he's 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 just so talented, and um, and he wasn't really being put in a position to use like ninety percent of his gifts. And so, you know, I, I really wanted to work with him, you know, for that reason, because I thought that I, I could, you know, do some good stuff with him and kind of help him out, but also like help myself out. Because like, I really wanted to do, I for years, I wanted to do tag team stuff. And, um, and obviously, it gives me a chance to, to, uh, to broaden the bridge, like that I'm trying to kind of create for my culture as well in wrestling, you know, having another Filipino and being able to do stuff like that. Um, and, you know, it gets me out of some cruiserweight stuff, which is another thing. Like, you know, a lot of – I get told all the time I, I I have more to offer than that. Cruiserweight and junior stuff is in my heart, so I love it. But, you know, it, it's also an outlet for me to do – to reach beyond that and sort of broaden my horizons a little bit. No, yeah, absolutely, man. I uh, I heard in another interview you say that you guys get compared to uh, Yokozuna and uh, Owen. <laughs> and just from the little Yokozuna-Owen stuff I've seen and from the little bit I've seen with you and uh, Falaba, I'm like, okay, I can see it. I can see it there. <laughs> I mean, it's not a lot. I mean, there's been a few times where you get that – I'll get that picture sent to me on on a Tuesday when there's impact on and we've got tag maps and stuff. There's usually always one or two people that will send posts to me that are like, oh, Yoko you're like Yoko and Owen and that's a huge compliment I mean I was always a big Owen Hart fan he's incredible um you know uh figure in wrestling history and um you know one of the greatest of all time so I'm flattered to to even I I definitely don't think people are comparing me directly to Owen (laughs) it's just it's just the idea yeah but uh but it is a flattering uh a comparison nonetheless and the dynamic between the two i think is really cool and i know that that Paula actually uh he digs a lot of yoko's stuff so you know um uh it's a it's a fun comparison absolutely man so uh we've had a couple months to get used to it the uh new or returning talent to impact wrestling like ec3 the good brothers uh brian myers heath uh so what, what have what, what's been your thoughts about about those guys coming in or coming back I mean, like, this is sort of like, uh, I don't know, like phase three of like this long-term plan that, that they've had to <clears throat> sort of, uh, you know, change the trajectory of impacts. And that that's the other primary reason why I chose to return to impact. It was really a no brainer um, is just that like with, um, with the management that they have now, taking over for old management and there was a lot of things that were fine with old management um you know don't get me wrong about that um i always enjoyed my time in tna impact like anytime i've been there but uh you know the the current management has a very drastically different take on on how to run the ship and it's so great there everybody's all in one room you know there's really no pyramid or hierarchy to it the roster's incredible, and I think they've been diligently putting together a roster that's full of both young, you know, unknown and ready-to-blow, like, um, performers and some veteran performers and, you know, the right type of superstar performers that can help balance out the mix. And, and you know, the, the women's division, the X division, the tag division, the heavyweight division, it's all strong. 
anybody can main event any given night. You know, if you open one day, you can close the next day, like, and vice versa. Everybody's pretty interchangeable that way. And that's the type of balance I've not ever seen in a roster ever, anywhere I've ever been, you know. Um, and I like that a lot. And I just think that, you know, uh, getting better, getting a better broadcasting setup and, and getting the roster balanced and getting the right mix of people. And then now like getting an influx of new talent and like, like bigger names to, to round out, you know, like they, they're really good about like balancing like the whole group that we got. And I, I love it. It's just like, it's just the next progression of what they're doing. Absolutely. I mean, you have people like Deanna Perrazzo who's really getting a chance to show what she can do yeah. from a technical wrestling aspect. A lot of people didn't know she could really do that. You have a guy like Heath who's coming in hot, trying to get trying to get a contract. You have Moose who's doing the whole real world's champion thing with the uh, the the newly uh, christened white strap TNA championship, which I think is absolutely badass. So, I mean, there's a lot of great yeah. talent there, man. But I want to get your thoughts on wrestling in the pandemic era. Now, we've seen different companies do different things and similar things at, at uh, most. I mean, I guess everybody's really adopted the, uh, the ring of honor shot, the hard cam on the ramp. And you've had the companies like WWE have nobody there. And then finally get the trainees and wrestlers at ringside with plexiglass. You've seen AEW have people there basically the, during the whole pandemic and they've started to bring back in real fans, but impact they haven't done that. Nobody's at ringside. Uh, why do you think that's been the decision? You know, uh, I think maybe just to not rush headfirst into a trend is probably the primary thing, you know, um, which I, I actually really like, you know, that being the case, um, whether it's better to have, you know, a, a partial crowd, uh, a planted crowd, um, you know, a virtual crowd, whatever the case may be, uh, who knows, you know, obviously the ambiance of having, you know, a responsive element, um, is, um, is, is like, that's missed, you know, in general, especially this year amongst all the companies until everybody started finding their different fixes for it. Um, and, you know, as, as a performer and a long time one, you know, for this, like, I've been doing this 22 years, man. Like that's, that's the primary element that like when I give analogies, like, like, you know, I'm a quarterback and I'm reading the defense and running the two minute offense. Like the defense is that crowd. That's what I'm reading, you know? Um, so that's a primary element in what we do as performers, you know? Uh, so they, it is sorely missed in that way. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I, I like that we don't just dive right into the, the same fixes other companies have. Um, I think, and we have a really great studio too, that we shoot in. So I, I actually think that some sort of virtual crowd setup, like the NBA bubble, for example, and like what, then the Thunderdome kind of came from adopting that idea. Um, something like that might work out pretty cool because, um, we have the technology and the resources to, to, to do it. Um, so, you know, who knows if, if that'll be the next, uh, step, but, um, but you know, who also, I mean, who knows in the next three months, crowds might be coming back to live shows more often now. So you see indies now running with, with some partial crowds and stuff like that. Um, some sporting events are, are having partial crowds available, um, you know, overseas and then domestically different States are opening up in different ways. So who knows? I mean, we, we might be past this before we really need to think of a 
specific fix. But I also liked the Saturday morning wrestling type studio setup that we've had for our show in particular. Like, I like that. Like, I grew up on that. I always thought that that was great. And I still feel like the pay-per-views are, are like must see because of the the type of talent and the stories that they're writing. Obviously the last pay-per-view we had like new guys coming in. There's a lot of buzz behind that. So you felt like, Oh, this is a big show. I got to see slam anniversary. I have to see what's going to happen. Who's going to come in. Who's not going to come in that sort of thing. So I think having that studio Saturday morning type, like all ages type of wrestling show is kind of a breath of fresh air. Like that's something that I think wrestling can go back to a little bit, you know, yeah, absolutely, man. And I watched Slammiversary as the first Impact pay-per-view I've watched in years. And the wrestling community, like, very positive overall towards it, you know. For yeah. years, people were like, Impact, that's still a thing. They're still around. Like, <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. What, what name are they going by this month or this day, you know. But it's been very right. positive moving forward. And you guys have a great amount of talent there. And I think the, the no-crowd atmosphere for Impact, it does work better. You you see certain guys will talk more trash to kind of up uh, their character and you, you hit guys harder. So it really echoes throughout the, uh, the place where you guys record. So I, I think it has worked in impacts favor in my personal opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, I think maybe like on the production end, like maybe some like volume balancing so that it doesn't feel as empty as it is. But I think this, the, the way that it's set up, it's so very studio-like. It's like watching WCW Saturday Night, you know, sort of in a way. And I like that. I, 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 <laughs> I express my interest that even when crowds can return, if we can stay shooting at the studio and see if we can put a smaller studio audience in there and have that sort of like WCW Saturday Night type of atmosphere for, for the weekly show for a while, because I think that that's great. Um, and it's very different from, you know, WWE, for example, like, tiptoeing the whole like it's attitude era but it's not really attitude era type of like we need it like live wrestling lots of promos and crowd interactions of this nature or whatever AEW is a very raw like wrestling show you know it's almost like ECW in a way you know so there, there's a crowd element to there that's different from WWE um, and more catered towards the diehard audience I feel like you know Impact can have a totally different strike zone by keeping this like studio streamlined like Saturday mornings type wrestling show. I, I think that would be awesome. All right. Absolutely, dude. So what's it been like wrestling for New Japan during this time over? I know they're doing uh, shows. I think it's at the LA Dojo. Um, no, they're actually running this. God, it's like a theater, um, like event center in Port Wyneme. It's a beach city uh, for those that are not from LA. And it's a beach city kind of up north, just just outside of LA. And um, they run it in there. I think that's the same place that Championship Wrestling from Hollywood runs because it's right there, like, just north of, like, Malibu, like, that sort of North Hollywood area, um, a little bit further north. But um, And it's great. I mean, like, sort of the same idea as what I was saying about Impact. Like, they, the studio setup um, it works for them, and it's good. Like, Japanese wrestling traditionally is, is a little bit more quiet anyway. A lot of times it's almost like watching tennis or golf. Like, the reactions are extreme only in specific moments um so it's it kind of fits right into the the week-to-week -week style of of what like traditional pure racer was um back in the day anyway but the other thing that i like about it is because the length of the show the way that it's built it's so i think it's it's great programming like only two or three matches each week not a lot of not a lot of drama just a little bit 
So it's pretty concise. It's easy to kind of sit through, especially if you're a diehard fan. Like it's a very traditional feeling show. It's almost like watching World of Sport, like the old like like British wrestling um, uh, cards. Like uh, I, I kind of feel like it's a lot like that. Um, but then you know the Japanese shows now have started to return sort of to normal for the most part. So I'm looking forward to them being able to put the roster together now that travel is starting to get more easy. Absolutely. So who have been some of your favorite opponents uh, during these Japan shows in L.A.? Uh, well, I got – we didn't really touch that much in the ring, but I got to get back in with Kenta a little bit. We haven't wrestled since, obviously, WWE. Um, so that that was kind of nice to get in with, with, you know, him and Jeff Cobb. I hadn't wrestled in years. Um, you know, I, I've done a lot of uh, uh, teaming with some of the L.A. Dojo guys who are now, like, really – you know, breaking through that young lion stage, Clark Connors, who was my uh, uh, partner for the junior tag league last year in Japan. Um, Carl Fredericks, who's now become like this heavyweight, like, like, um, you know, breath of fresh air, like getting through, like after the young lions cup and everything. Now he's got his own look and he's, it's almost like a rebirth for him. Um, and uh, some returning guys. I mean, ACH is back. And that was cool. I got to, you know, wrestle alongside him. I believe we're tagging again this week uh, on, on this episode uh, on Friday. Um, so it was cool. And then there's a lot of local guys that are kind of being introduced into the system now at a base level. Um, Adrian Quest, Danny Limelight, the, the Regal Twins, um, you know, Barrett Brown. Like there's a lot of guys that, that I think uh, are really talented. They're coming up, coming up on the base level and, and are going to start making waves, you know, especially in the junior division. Absolutely, man. I'm glad you mentioned guys like Carl Fredericks and Jeff Cobb. You know, they uh, had a great following here in the Bay Area, and they thrived in all pro wrestling, which you were part of King of the Indies for last year. That's how we met up and were able to start doing these. And, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's just great to see those guys who, you know, had their foot in the water here. Now they've gone on to achieve so much other success. Did you – at that King of Indies show, did you see anybody else from, like, the APW roster that you think, oh, yeah, in a couple of years they're going to be at this level? let me see you know it's been so long since i've been back to apw um or just in the bay area in general you know having been away for like you know wwe and tna for so long um but i mean i had really i remember meeting carl for example years before like before i had gone to wwe i remember meeting him um also up north in the Bay, because, you know, he's a Reno guy, so, like, he'll come across and, and wrestle over there. And I remember thinking then, like, this guy's going to do some great stuff. Um, there's other guys, too, that I had always thought that for the longest time should have been scooped up somewhere just because they're so unique and so talented. Like, like Reno Scum, for example, who are now, like, you know, in the tag division in Impact. You know, Thornstow, I and wrestled him so many times over the years. Um, you know, and Luster's partner is is – such an like an overlooked big man i think um he's so good at at at, at uh you know being that role um yeah and obviously i mean they <laughs> that tournament they matched me up with a hell of a, an opponent he's not a bay area guy but you know gresham obviously people know he's, he's incredible um he was in the j cup last year so uh but yeah I, um I believe somebody's trying to deliver something to my door. <laughs> it, 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 it's great. It makes it real. It makes it fresh. 
but yeah, and I, I was supposed to return actually uh, to the Bay Area right before the pandemic hit. There was a yeah. show scheduled. Yeah, and we I were uh, we were supposed to do this in person. Yeah, yeah, I was looking forward to coming back for that, especially something that wasn't going to be such a uh, ensemble show because obviously, like King of the Indies, like that was such an ensemble show with, with the guys that they brought in. But I was looking forward to getting back and just kind of seeing what the next generation of Bay Area guys was gonna was gonna be like. Hey man, well once everything gets back to whatever the new normal is gonna be, I'm sure Marcus Mack, promoter of APW, is gonna be running shows again, and hopefully we get to see you back here in the Bay Area. Absolutely. All right. As we as we kind of wind down here, I want to get some thoughts on like what's your motivation in wrestling? You've been doing this for 22 years, as as you said. Like, what motivates you? Uh, who motivates you in wrestling to just keep the grind going? Because I know some guys they'll do it for a while and then they'll just kind of like take a take a little hiatus, then come back in here and there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean having fun is really just a motivating factor. I mean, it's something that I, I sort of got wrapped up in the first 10 years of my career. Didn't look past it. So I didn't know what a career was. It was just having fun. And then I, you know, like for people that have followed me for so long, you know, I, I, they know, you know, I was homeless for a little while, kind of lost all of that. Um, and I feel like it's because I was too focused on that and not understanding what a career was, but then, you know, rebuilding everything, getting back on track, and prioritizing the right way, understanding how to be a, a proper businessman, how to be a better businessman, you know, learning a lot, like, for example, a lot of the stuff we talked about in the beginning, you know, stuff like that started to become more relevant to me. Um, and then I kind of learned that, you know, I, I, I have to have fun. Like that's, you don't have anything else at the end of the day, like everything else will come and go, but you got to be able to have fun. Um, and I like that. And I like, you know, this game is really down to a science for me now. So like the, I never stressed very much in the beginning anyway, but I certainly don't stress or worry about anything now. And it's a lot of fun being able to apply myself and all this, you know, years of experience and, and really, you know, actually play quarterback for a lot of guys and, and to, to help other guys come up, you know, that that's a motivating factor for me too. I never really thought of myself as a teacher but as I've gotten older and it's been told to me for so many years, a decade, maybe that like, Hey, you should teach, you should teach. And I always thought ah, that's, that's for old guys, you know, but now I'm starting to see the value in, in what God had given me, you know, like, you know, he put me on this path for a reason. He's kept me on this path for this amount of years for a reason. Now it's like, you know, that's a good purpose, you know, to be able to pass that along and help other guys. Absolutely, man. Now we're going to get to the rapid fire portion of the interview. It's the, the list of it is favorites. So with that being said, here we go. Favorite wrestler of all time. Oh, Eddie. Okay. I, he, he's, he's in my top 10. One of the, one of the most charismatic performers in the history of the business. Absolutely, dude. Uh, favorite match you've ever had. Um, CMLL anniversary show, 70th anniversary show. Who, who'd you wrestle on that? Uh, myself, Rocky Romero, and this guy by the name of Bobby Quantz. So if you're a Bay Area fan for a long time, you might know who Bobby Quantz is. And we wrestled Virus Volador and Ricky Marvin. And we had a feud with them in CMLL pretty much all year long. Uh, one of our first matches there was in Arena Mexico on the weekly show with them. We lit it up, so then that became like the feud of the year down there. 
And this was back in 2003. I was only 18 years old. Uh, just had started with New Japan, got shipped off to Mexico, lived there for you know that year, basically. And we were winning these awards and getting like such buzz and kind of changing the culture of how matches are done with that. We're, <laughs> it's so funny because I know this is rapid fire, but like uh, it's kind of a small story, I guess. It's like you hear a lot of times about guys like older wrestlers giving younger wrestlers flack and then the chain continues and continues and continues. And this is like such a prime example. We were, we, we were shredded by, by people like you guys are circus performers. This is bad. This is blah, 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 blah. And it was like soon after that, um, you know, you had the whole generation of like the young bucks and, and like the machine gun and guys that are doing matches that are like, the same style like this rapid fire like very like high paced high tempo matches and that what didn't wasn't around you know before that especially on the u.s indies and that's something that we kind of contributed to on accident and uh and and you know the octopus hold and flying armbars nobody wanted that old junk <laughs> before but then me and rocky were doing it and Pete, i think small guys and good athletes saw what they can do with it and then you know you got this whole generation of zach sabers and greshams and gulaks and stuff like that and, you know, I'm, I'm proud to have been part of that stuff at that time. Um, so that's really my favorite match, probably. All right. Uh, favorite wrestling gimmick? Is it like a Gold Dust, a Razor Ramon, a Repo Man, a Max Moon, an Isaac Yankum? La Parka. Okay. I, yeah. I dig it. I dig it, I man. Like La, La Parka. All right. Uh, favorite Blink-182 song? Oh, uh... Damn it. Okay. I dig yeah. it. I'm a, I'm a, I miss you guy. <laughs> I, uh, I actually have that on my arm. I, my blink tattoo has, uh, I can't see that. This. My blink tattoo has, uh, has, uh, the Jack and Sally lyric and, um, has, uh, Skellington as the face for the CD. That's what's up, man. Cover, yeah. Have you gotten any new ink since we did this last year? um oh yeah i've probably had a ton let me see i, I don't think i had this kobe piece on my tricep back here this was sort of like newer um and i'm trying to think what else i got and i got a lot more like fill and stuff on this arm like flowers and different things um i got han solo's gun on the inside of my arm here um there's a little bit colored in the the roses on the sugar skull and then i got this more detailed chest and shoulder piece up here around this uh my birthday that, yeah birthday was what last week yeah yeah this last week happy belated birthday brother <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much yeah, you're getting getting pretty covered up there man yeah i gotta do some more on this shoulder maybe and then i gotta pick a new spot i guess juice robinson has these cool uh like calf sleeves uh, i kind of wanted to move move on to that <laughs> that's what's up dude all right last one uh favorite nirvana song uh serve the servants Ooh. okay okay yeah. i dig it's great, it uh it's great social commentary for how human beings are today you know <laughs> hey i'm i'm down with it I'm, I'm i don't think i've ever actually heard that one i'm gonna have to go check it out all right, well, that's going to wrap this up. TJ, thank you so much for uh, doing this, man. Where can the people find you? 
Uh, well, I'm not too broad with my socials, but you know, I got Twitter and Instagram. You can find it at mega TJP. Uh, my Twitch is also mega TJP and that's really my trifecta of what I got going. Um, you know, so, you know, if, you, if you're listening and you're already following, thank you. Um, again, I've always said without you, there's no me. So, you know, I appreciate that and I appreciate you following and, and, uh, and all the support. And if you want to follow me, then, then please do. Um, especially on Twitch, it'll help motivate me to, uh, <laughs> to stream more often. So, uh, but yeah, thank you very much. Uh, you know, everybody for watching and, and for, for listening and, and for following along. Absolutely, man. I mean, I think I told you this last time we did the suicide was one of my favorites when I used to watch TNA on a regular basis. And then watching you come over to WWE winning the Cruiserweight title, that was, that was super cool, man. So, I mean, you've been one of my favorites for quite some time. It's been awesome to see your career uh, just keep growing and growing. And I want to see you and follow win those tag titles pretty soon. <laughs> I, I, I would like to see it as well. And thank you very much, brother. I appreciate that. No problem. Ladies and gentlemen, TJ Perkins. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you very much, brother. This has been the Bullet Cast. Thank you for listening.